You are now tuned into the Soma Live on Union and Metro podcast. I am Jerm. I am Jer. And I'm Mikey Beats. Soma Live was an all-aged concert hall with two locations in San Diego. First on Union from 88 to 94. Second on Metro from 94 to 99. We're here to share experiences from the best all-ages venue in America's finest city. On this episode, we have our first guest, Noel Jordan of Eye for an Eye and The Classified. We discuss the Poway High music scene, Agent 51, Open Fast, Mr. Bungle, and Mike Patton leaving his jacket. Let's go. All right, here we are again. Uh, let me just do this. Yes. Yes. Mm. Excellent. All right. Uh, let's, let's just get right into it. Uh, we have our first guest. This is amazing. Yes. Uh, we have, yes. Uh, we have um, is it Noel Jordan? Yep, Noel Jordan. Noel Jordan. Uh, previously of, uh, the first band was Eye for an Eye, right. and then uh, you played guitar and vocals in The Classified. Correct. Please, yep. please introduce yourself. Yep, my name is Noel Jordan. I grew up in uh, the Poway area. Uh, been in San Diego all my life. Uh, played in uh, a bunch of bands. Um, uh, but yeah, it started all started with uh, Soma playing Soma with Eye for an Eye. Um, it actually all started going back to when I was in middle school. I think it was like my eighth grade year. Uh, a neighbor of a f- good friend of mine, I think she was a senior in high school, and took us started taking us down to uh, downtown to Union Street, where uh, we were just young types getting our asses thrown around at punk shows <laughs> and uh, seeing a bunch of young uh, bands starting. Like I saw, I remember one of the first shows was definitely Unwritten Law. Yeah. Green Day and Buck 09, and then maybe Face to Face. I'm not exactly entirely sure, but uh, definitely seen Face to Face and Green Day was one of the first two shows I went to. Yeah. And then, uh, so I think it was Kerplunk era. So it might have been like 93. It was def- definitely early, early days because Face to Face and Green Day were kind of, I kind of took a chance to book them, and that was at the beginning of their their whole, you know, Journey basically yeah. as a band, yeah. So that's Crazy. that's early days, ninety one ish. Ninety one, okay. Some, Maybe probably somewhere in there. Yeah, your memory is better than mine, I'm sure. <laughs> probably not. <laughs> it's a. Uh, it's pretty rare of uh, that. Uh, you played your bands played at Metro Street, uh, but you also got to experience Union Street. Uh, yeah. As I worked at Somo when I was sixteen, I actually never went to Union. My mom and dad would not let me go. So you actually saw the beginning. Oh yeah, I saw the beginning. I actually, I was actually bummed out. There was a Stone Temple Pilots uh, film. Uh, they were filming a video, mm-hmm. Wicked and, Garden. Yeah, yeah. And uh, my friend Jeff and I like re- desperately wanted to go down. It was like during the week, and yeah. uh, we couldn't find. We were, I mean, we were so young. We didn't, you know, we didn't drive. We were like asking all our parents, all of our friends and neighbors and stuff. They're all, no, we're not going down there. So we're like, yeah. Place, well, that place is shady. We're not bringing our kids exactly. there, <laughs> right? So we would already been gone, going for a few uh, months, but uh, so I don't remember how it ended. But uh, downtown shut down, and everything moved to uh, Union No Metro Street. Sorry, right? And uh, man, I started going to shows there, obviously again, and remember uh, seeing face to face a couple times in a row. And they're a three piece, and I'm like they're not at the time. They're not doing th- anything that crazy. Well, maybe I can do this. So like. I yes. wanted to start a three-piece band, and yeah, Rad. sure enough, I did. Called Eye for an Eye, and uh, yeah. I had a blast. Played about a couple of years, and then, I mean, every young kid band kind of falls apart because everybody moves on and does other stuff. And then uh, eventually in my senior year, uh, Mom, I'm not proud of this, but I was behind in credits, 
And, uh, and so I had to take a night school class before, uh, before I graduated just to get graduating credits. And uh, I met Brad Bohensky, and then we started the classified together. And it, that was a whole other lifetime, too. That was awesome. We uh, started playing all the time. We got to open up for Blink-182, two nights in a row. Like, we played some massive, like, uh, New Year's Eve shows. We played two New Year's Eve shows um, yeah. at the sports arena. So I'm able to say I played the sports arena twice. Uh, but yeah, I just had an awesome time. Um, those are, like, the best years, high school years and stuff. And uh, Oh, you guys, yeah, I remember you guys uh, played a bunch of shows. You guys also uh, went to a bunch of shows. Oh, yeah. We were always there. And yeah, that, that was the amazing thing about the scene at the time was that the bands would, would support other bands and right. go see, you know, every weekend you'd see the same guys there. Mm-hmm. Um, and that was uh, one way of maintaining relevancy, but also just, just being, being in the scene. Um, you mentioned Brad Bohinsky. He was your drummer. Yeah. Is that correct? Yeah. What band was he in before Classified? He was, ah, uh, blank and I, uh, that no, that no clue. It was called No Clue. No Clue. Okay. I that band. That's right. I yeah. remember. I got from some flyers from Prince Bernardo. Yeah. I think. I think I have a tape of No Clue and a tape of the Classified. Oh boy. Um, but you guys, yeah, you guys were definitely, definitely a, a key part of the scene. Yes. Uh, so we, um, you know, we got to talk about uh, things that we were doing then that we, yeah, that are so different now. And technology is one thing, but um, the flyer making. Uh, you know, Jeremy's brought up that there was a certain art form. Yeah, to, absolutely. To yeah. the making of the flyers. Uh, how were you guys throwing together the flyers? What inspired you art wise or was it haphazardly thrown together? Uh, yeah, it was mostly, uh, our, we had one guy in our band that was able to work a computer. The rest of us were dum-dums. So we didn't, we weren't that bright. And so, uh, he was able to kind of, we were, we would go there and like, we'd kind of piece it together. He's a little older than us. He had his own apartment and, uh, yeah, we'd throw it, uh, we'd use like sci-fi art or whatever. We could just steal off the internet and throw it in the background. And, at our van and, uh, you know, say, say the classified at the door and yeah, you know, get a sticker or some, you know, stupid crap. But, uh, yeah, so that's he'd how make it. Right. He'd make it at home in his apartment, print it out. Oh, uh, we would go, we'd take a sample or we'd take it on a, on a floppy disc, I guess back then. And then, uh, go to Kinko's and print out a ton of them and spend the rest of the night, like on a Friday night, just going to high schools and flying everywhere. And, uh, plastering. Uh, we had the, like that spray adhesive stuff. Yeah, the spray seventy seven, spray yeah. ninety nine, or whatever. Yeah, good stuff, man. I yeah. smelling on my fingers <laughs> for weeks afterwards. Yeah, good stuff. <laughs> so you guys didn't do the clip art style because I still my, my wife just got me a glue stick to do flyers for the podcast. Uh-huh. Oh, but yeah. I I would take you know stupid magazines whatever. Oh, yeah. Sorry, and then do those. Yeah. Yeah. Stupid picture of George Bush, cut it out of a yeah. time magazine, <laughs> throw it on there. Let them eat jelly beans yeah. and there's a Ronald Reagan. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. The yeah. original cut and paste. Yeah. 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 I mean, like, that's, I think that's probably, you know, once computer. I'm the same way. I still, I, I can't figure out my, my flip phone. <laughs> Your flip it's, phone. it's not a flip phone. It's not, but it's probably that old. Cause we talk about in the beginning how, you know, I was like a pager and, I had a pager and a payphone. I wasn't exactly home um, sufficient uh-huh. sometimes during my days in the early days of Soma because I wasn't making any money. So I had to do what I can, and I would work off a of pager and and um, payphones. But the cut and paste, I was telling Mikey earlier and, and Jerry, we were talking about how it was a whole art to put together the flyers. 
and each band, I mean, there was some really cool stuff. Now I still, it'll, it'll get posted in the group. I'll see something with the names of either classified or eye for an eye. Some of that stuff is brilliant. I mean, really, really cool. And Mikey actually brought it up in the beginning saying to me that, why don't I do some of this stuff? Let's see some of this flyer art to promote the podcast. There you go. That's awesome. And it's the same thing. You know, we go out, you know, you get the homies and you staple gun. If you can find one or afford one, because you spend all your money on flyers and you're telling every single person you're trying to bribe them with whatever you can, because that's how you guys got paid. Exactly. But the thing is for me, you guys are out there busting and you're, you're promoting the whole show. So for me as like what bands I would want to try to book on whatever show, it depended on how much you worked and how much you really wanted it. Musicianship was one thing, and you know, but it's just the work drive and how much you put into the scene, which you guys always was brilliant. I mean, you you worked, you worked hard, yeah, and then put on a good show. <laughs> so, well, thanks. You know, that's to me. I still, I mean, I'm I'm in awe about it. It's still so brilliant to me. If they if they never worked hard, they would have never made it to uh, the New Year's Eve stage. Well, that's true. That's right, twice. <laughs> and, yeah. and uh, open for Blink, uh, oh, two yeah. sold out shows. Yeah, yeah, what helped that was crazy. It was uh, uh, we played Carried Along, so Tom's younger sister's uh, birthday party at the Elks Lodge in Poway, which uh, Lou oh. Paul was not a fan of it existing because uh, he'd come down and ban- try to everybody on this show will be blacklisted. Okay, we'll see. But uh, uh, there's not that many bands in San Diego at the time. Um, uh, but yeah, so they, they, they were there for the, the birthday party and they happened to catch us and they kind of knew us through the scene a little bit. And so they're like, well, good. you guys were pretty good. And all right. So all of a sudden we got those, uh, the offer th- with you guys through you guys too. Um, yeah. Cause actually, uh, when you played the blink show, um, Lynn wasn't there anymore. That was golden voice. Oh, that's right. Yeah. yeah. Uh, and that was another cool era. Uh, not to, uh, make fun of Lynn all the time, but, uh, uh, when golden voice took it over, and they kind of liked us. And so I, I remember showing up to a Deftone show a couple of times, or like a couple of major shows, and they just saw me. I think it was Laura. I can't remember the lady's name. They kind of ran it. But uh, she would. Shalice. Shalice. There you go. Thank you. And she would see me in line out of the box office, and she would just kind of wave me in. I'm like, this is rad. Like, what does that ever <laughs> happen? At a Deftone show, completely sold out. But yeah, it was, it was awesome times down there. What was it? Uh, did you go to Poway High? Yeah, I did. Yeah. Uh, what was the scene? How did the scene? Uh, how was the scene at Poway High? Like w- the local music scene? I mean, I mean, imagine you had a bunch of other bands that went to Poway High. Yeah, tons, like tons. Well, Agent Fifty One for sure, and then uh, that that all started with Open Fast, and yeah, there's just so many. It's just, uh, but oh, Elks Lodge was like uh, a place to go on a Friday night or Saturday night, knowing. You might, might not even know who's playing, but usually it'd be a couple power bands and then maybe somebody from RB or P- Pingasquitas and, mm-hmm. and uh, maybe someone from like uh, Coronado, like uh, uh, Carter Peace Mission. But uh, right. it was always, just, it was cool. It was, uh, you could guarantee there's a, something going on on a Friday night when there was nothing to do for years prior or years after. It was just nothing, nothing going on out there. Right. I mean, I just remember uh, any Poway shows would just like, CPKs would show up in force. Oh yeah. Uh, yeah. For those that don't know, CPKs they're the crazy Poway kids. <laughs> uh, did you ever have a relationship with anyone from Unwritten Law? Yeah, I know way pretty well. I know uh, 
uh, a brewer. I know, yeah, the, the younger, the guys, pretty much everyone that's not in the band anymore, like I knew pretty well. I know Chris Lewis, who's in the band now, because I grew up with him at Poway, and then he's, he was in Pivot and a few other bands. But uh, yeah, we played with them a few times here and there. I know Scott just from seeing him around, but uh, right. not, like, really, we're not tired or nothing. Right. But Wade, Wade's pretty cool. We used to practice in the same uh, practice spot up, up, on the, up in Poway. And uh, he'd, he'd be there all the time. God doing knows what. God knows what. But uh, he'd be there late at night, and he'd come over and bang on our door and check, hey, you guys sounding good? Or come over and check out his, like, alien stuff he was drawing or, I don't know, whatever he was doing. But uh, Definitely yeah, out there. I, I know Wade pretty well. I actually jammed with him and, uh, a couple times down the street at, a, like, a warehouse. It was him and Brian, the bass player from No Knife. And uh, it ended up being really cool, but then Wade – Went on and do whatever, uh, you know. He's a, I just saw him, I want to say right to January, but January 2020. Um, he was playing at Eric Wilson's house, uh, Eric That's Wilson right. of Sublime. Yeah, I saw uh, they have a They have a band together. And what's crazy, uh, at Eric Wilson's house, uh, he's got this, this freaking huge house. Um, I, I, the area, it's up by, kind of by Temecula. Um, but he's got a huge avocado farm. I mean, it's acres and acres of area, but you drive down, uh, this big ass hill that and you're still on his property. Um, and he has this little like jam area, um, down in this, in the bottom of this Canyon. Mm. And I mean, that full lights, full sound. Mm. So I remember actually going over there and there's Eric Wilson on bass. There's Wade on drum yeah. and they're just, just rocking out. Um, I didn't get that memo. It was, <laughs> It was a it was an interesting time. Um, I ended up having to jump out of a truck that was going back up the hill because it uh, blew a couple tires and I was in the back and I didn't want to roll over. But anyway, um, yeah. So um, let's talk about uh, let's talk about some of the production um, when when you guys like the the pre production of the show um, when you guys would show up. What was, what was the vibe like showing up? I mean, you guys just all roll in the same vehicles. Uh, talk, let's talk about the process. Uh, later, we actually ended up getting a tour van. At first, it was all of us in our little Mazda Miatas or whatever, our parent, you know, our hand-me-down cars from our parents, like trying to cram all our amps and whatever we could and the least amount of cars. But uh, yeah, we would just show up to Soma and uh, hang out with these two and uh, <laughs> uh, try to stay out of trouble and uh, hang out. Yeah. Uh, you were, you were frequently in the backstage area for your own shows, but not to mention all the shows. Uh, you guys always managed to get in uh, between the wire. I actually remember a funny story about Brad, Brad Bohinski. Um, you guys would be in the green rooms, too, for whatever band, whoever's playing. Um, Brad actually left his jacket in the green room, which I didn't know at the time it was his jacket. I found it. He stashed it behind, um, remember the big green room? There'd be like... The giant wall of the, the garbage. Pl- the plywood. Plywood of garbage. Well, yeah. I, I ended up going back there for who knows what reason. I found I'm a sorry. jacket. I ended up wearing the jacket um, the yeah. following weekend because it was cold and I was hanging out front. Again, Brad and you guys were always there every weekend. Brad's like, that's my jacket, dude. I need my jacket. And I remember it was like freaking cold out. I actually had to take the jacket off and give it back to Brad. It was a really nice jacket. That's funny. But uh, that, was, that was a kind of funny thing between Brad and I. So that's what Brad does uh, to get women. So he leaves jackets or articles of clothing, like watches, wallets, you know, just so he can go back there and go, hey, I need to get back there. I lost my jacket. And uh, that's uh, how he gets back in for free. Well, he got me and I, he, he wasn't too happy about it. <laughs> <laughs> I think that's how he got me to book you guys. Probably it works. (laughs) Whatever works. 
Now, uh, I'd love to talk more about the uh, the New Year's Eve show um, that you guys played on. Um, what kind of nerves goes through uh, a teenager playing on a stage like that? Uh, I was pretty scared. I I mean, it's the sports arena, right? It's the I saw Metallica play there when I was like in the eighth right. grade, so I'm like, this is a big deal. So it was cool. Uh, yeah, well, it's walking around, getting there early, walking around, seeing all the different dressing rooms. Like, I don't exactly remember. I don't think there was. No I had you guys there. show up fairly early right like yeah. two or three exactly we're way way early because <laughs> yeah. i like to acclimate people to make them come in and kind of figure it out but then once you got in that place you were the same as me like uh, you know by the end of the night i kind of figured it out and figured out a pattern but that's one thing mikey that was trippy is so these guys are coming in i don't know anything about it either you know the first show that we did i just knew i had that stage I'm going to announce the band. I had to figure out my backstage. I had to know where everyone was at all times. And basically, you know, is that's when the, the, the idea of babysitting comes in. But all these guys are coming in, and literally, my first concert, real concert I've ever seen was there with, um, so it was Iron Maiden, and then I saw a Metallica concert when I was 20, I believe. Um, Iron Maiden was when I was like 14 or 15. But, you know, big crowds, it always kind of, you know, stunted me. But now I'm in this place where up in the nosebleeds up there, I was smoking a joint and I didn't know where the hell I was. And I wasn't even 18 and Iron Maiden's playing and Eddie's doing this weird shit on the stage <laughs> that I have to announce from. And, well, all right, let's do this. So here, mind you, comes in the trick. I act like I know what the fuck I'm doing. So if anyone comes up to me with any questions, I can pretend like I know what the fuck I'm talking about. Fake it till you make it. Exactly. But, I mean, really the ramifications of someone coming in to play the club, I mean, you're playing, you know, there, and I'm right there, and, and you know everyone's there. Well, but then, you know, they show up at the sports arena. It's like, what the, f what the fuck? I mean, literally, you go from just over 1,000 to 6,000 capacity. Right. Two stages, bigger than our main stage. But it was, it was all of us. So you kind of, you know, right? Yeah. Well, you kind of so, find your yeah. own. If we're talking about the New Year's Eve shows, so the first New Year's Eve show was 94 to 95, right? God, your memory is better than my, mine. My first one was uh, 95 to 96. Oh, boy. And then my last one was uh, 2002 to three. Oh, no, no, no. 2000, 2003 to 2004 was my last one. I think, I think after that, they didn't do them anymore. I, I'm not sure. I was kind of, we were kind of aging out. Because you guys played the 98 to 99, right? Yeah. And then you also played the first one at the new one, right? Yeah, I think so, yeah. The 2002, 2003, yep. something like that? Yeah. And then after that, we were kind of aging out. Not that I wasn't interested in, like, we weren't interested uh and so many more, but uh, we started playing like places like the Casbah and uh, stuff. Because like, of 21 enough. Yeah, exactly. 21 enough. We want, we want the there. alcohol. Exactly. Uh, you want the sales too. Like sometimes, you, you know. But what I wanted to ask you was after Soma closed down, Metro Street closed down in June of 99, uh, how was, what was the vibe like at that point? So that sucked. That really, uh, we had had a demo tape uh, or a cassette out, and then uh, we started. We put out an EP, 
a split uh, single with uh, our friends in a band called Cystic that like had broken up. So like all of a sudden it was all on us to sell those. And then uh, we had played those two Blink shows. And uh, so we had this momentum going and like we, had, like we were recording a CD. We're like, oh, this is it. Here we go. We're all this momentum going. And then fucking Soma shut down. And we're like, well, now what? So uh, it was just like a big, like uh, hit, hitting the brakes. We're like, okay. So, I mean, we ended up playing, touring some, uh, a bunch. We went on uh, uh, the Warp Tour for a summer, a few weeks. Uh, we did stuff, but it definitely put uh, a was halt it? on us. Like, it definitely slowed us down. It wasn't the same vibe at all. No. Huh? Even, even with Canes taking all the shows, it was not the same. No. Uh, we played a, few, a bunch of times at Canes, and uh, it just, nah, no, it just wasn't the same. Like, it felt like uh, every band was from different areas and weren't like really friends at Canes. At Soma, yeah. it was different. It was like, oh, we're here. Like, all, you know, we know yeah. what we're all about. We saw you last weekend. Yeah. Uh, this, that kind of thing. So, yeah, it was definitely like uh, the end of an era. Yeah. Really? It was. It was separate. Everybody's like their own thing. It wasn't, it wasn't like a brotherly communion kind of thing the timing of it too like you mentioned i mean you were at you what year did you graduate high school 97 97 same here i thought we were the same age yeah so yeah i mean once that thing closed down it's like that generation you know a couple years go by we hit we start hitting 21 and up clubs and bars and stuff so it just just switched the scene just changed yeah you kind of lose interest and i mean some of the bands you've seen like a hundred times like face to face i always loved but I'd seen them a hundred times at that point, you know. I'm like, what's what's Rock from the Crypt about? What's what are these dragons about? You know, I started like getting a little right. different, a little edgier music. Just you kind of, you know, you kind of move on. Yeah, it and changed. That pause, that pause definitely helped too. Like, and it, and it seemed like in that same time that we saw the decline of punk rock, the popularity of punk rock, that wave of punk rock in ska music. Um, I think a lot of it switched over to reggae. Um, for oh. for some people in the scene. Perfect example is the band Slightly Stupid. Um, around right. that time, you know, they, they were on Skunk Records. Um, early days of Slightly Stupid, they were playing a lot of punk rock. They were doing a lot of punk shows. Mm-hmm. Um, and then they, they linked up with Skunk Records, of course, Sublime and all that. And then after Bradley passed, they started playing a lot more reggae. So I saw, you know, and I'm coming from the beach area. You know, I grew up in, in right by Soma in Bay Park. Uh, but I was hanging out in PB. So a lot of that beach punk, skate punk stuff mm-hmm. transitioned over into the reggae. And I think a lot of, uh, at that time too, the scene was more metal. Metal was actually getting pretty big. Right. Uh, Screamo-ish. I remember like, like you came with Papa Roach, right? But there's a lot of like younger fans that kind of want to do a Papa Roach kind of thing, like kind of doing that. So that's kind of when it reopened uh, by Sports Arena. That's kind of the scene, what the scene was. Like, yeah. Right. A lot more right. heavier. Just, it was um, more like a... The used, um, thrice, um, uh, what was uh, Finch? Those oh, yeah. bands kind of coming out. Some of those are good. Yeah, Some but of but two thousand <laughs> I after after <laughs> after Metro closed down, I actually started working in the more of the metal industry. That's when I went on tour with, on Ozfest. So oh, yeah, yeah, I was seeing more stuff, much much more music with the videos and everything. Um, right. There was more of a metal thing going on, which I think that was what became the scene at that time. Right. Well, to me, coming from the punk, like punk rock into what I call the resurgence of punk rock. So the eighties, early eighties, when it came, cause I always considered myself more of a colored punk cause as an artist. So I'd drew on everything, all my clothes and painted all the leather jackets and, and all that. And I still have a couple of them. And, you know, like I still have my Mohawk, but 
I only did that because I went hippie for a long time and I had long hair to prove that I could at my old age. But, um, you know, as things kind of grew to me, as soon as like bands started to make it really big with the punk rock thing, to me, it just, it became so homogenized. It was inevitable that it would change. Yeah. But that's the thing with San Diego being what I always consider as the bastard child of LA, but we're, the origins here are so tight knit. But once, when we were doing Union and the Metro, and when I went from, you know, a dozen bands to well over 300 bands locally, it grew. So then in the, after I was done and, you know, went off to do mine in 2000, I was doing two bands. I was doing the heavy, gnarly, absolute, you can't understand anything I'm singing. Heavily distorted bass, like The Meat, and, um, and that band was called Urine at that time. But I also did Since Sin 77. Total pop, blonde, we called it Blondie with Balls. Total <laughs> pop, me, total 77, just the makeup and the bondage pants, and I got to wear my creepers again, and, you know, got to feel like a freaking kid. So as the music changed through all that, and then as someone died out at the end of Metro, it, of course there's going to be that, that freaking shift, because everyone's like, oh, well, what the fuck are we going to do now? So as bands are graduating to start playing bars, it's like, oh, opens up that whole, oh, you know what I mean? We can play with Dinosaur Jr.? Yeah. We can play with this band. We can play with that band. Oh, Bob Mould's coming to. I've, I've heard of him. I want to open for him. So then all these musicians from that time get to expand their horizons. And then when the metal came in, things started to meld a lot better than I think they did in the punk rock scene. Because the punk rock, it started melting in a weird way. And, you know, luckily ska and other things came in. But it's a natural progression. And the beautiful thing was watching so many musicians go from playing three chord to playing their, their you know, instrument and really getting creative. And then that was a whole nother bubble that just is another conversation, which is fun that everyone started off in the, you know, hardcore gnarly side and you survived union. <laughs> That's right. Barely. Probably. I mean, that's yeah. the thing is when we think about it, you think about, and you think about union and, and the differences between union and Metro union was way violent. Oh, wasn't yeah, it? it was. I remember being scared and I was just a little guy. Like, yeah, I could barely see the band over, you know, I was like a little, yeah, kid. you were, you're a kid. Yeah. I was going there when I was in my early twenties and I was afraid. Yeah. So it was <laughs> the skinhead scene. It yeah. was crazy over there. I was booking shows in my early twenties and I was afraid of what I was doing. <laughs> That's what I always heard at Metro, having not gone to Union, was, you know, those that had gone to Metro or gone to Union uh, would just be like, it, like Metro's nothing compared but to then, that. But like, then Metro was actually a little more violent than someone SD. Yeah. Yeah. The whole, because yeah, sure. the generational yeah. type thing, the kids weren't used to pits after uh, so Metro closed down. And then they, because I, I was reading somewhere in one of the, camera what magazine put it out or if it was the paper some kids were complaining about the pit at sd and i'm like this is like that's you guys don't have a clue right yeah yeah you don't have a clue so, so so being in the driving seat of a pit uh i mean you guys you guys were straight punk rock i mean just just going for it um yeah. I, it was punk rock right just, uh by the time we were doing the classified it was a little more uh it was a little more poppy more rock i guess like yeah. poppy rock yeah uh, but punk. still punk. It had yeah, that punk so, vibe. I just I wouldn't say like we were like uh, 
like a rancid kind of band. We're more like, uh, I don't know. Uh, Definitely, okay, I saw Lucy's Fur Coat a bunch of times. That's the old mm. song. Like, Charlie Ware. Yeah, I love that. That was one of my favorite bands. So like, it definitely had some rock influences in it, but uh, social distortion. But then it's still kind of punk. In it. I remember when I first started jamming with Brad, he would play super fast because he was in that band, I no clue. They played super fast. Well, slow it down, man. Slow, slow it down. And so we eventually slowed, uh, slowed it down a little bit. Right. Still have, so we still have fun. But yeah, it definitely had rock influence in, in, uh, in the punk rock that we did. Right. So, uh, you know, the kids at the time, you know, we were super into pitting. Um, did you, like, from the stage, looking out into the crowd, could you have a clear view of anything? Do you see the anarchy that you were creating? Yeah, yeah. It's crazy. Uh, again, we were, like, the fastest band, so it wasn't like, they'd start pits, and then they'd go, oh, we're, we're just here to listen. Cool, I guess. Like, yeah. Like, but I've seen other bands where it's just, like, brutal. Like, and, and, uh, you get, you know, sometimes you have the lights in your eyes, so you don't see everything. You don't see all the way to the back, but... Yeah, my God, I'm glad I wasn't down there some nights. Definitely, <laughs> definitely better on stage. Well, I, I specifically remember for shows like Face to Face, like you mentioned, um, just the whole room erupting in giant circle of just anarchy. But in particular, the Pennywise shows, I remember uh, just those, just people being pushed up the stairs and up the ramps because, you know, in the center of the room is just, just a giant pit. And everybody's like trying to get away a little bit. Like, I don't want to get my teeth knocked out. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Just, just looking for, looking for space. As the energy just sort of expanded within. Right. But that's, that's the art of being up there and being able to keep your note and to keep your, your place while the bits that you can see, you know, as, as you know, you know, when the lights are in your eyes and you're playing, and you're listening for the keys and you're listening to the monitors, the, the keys to, to know when to, you know, shift your, your, uh, your notes and everything when you're playing. It's totally convoluted way I said it, but <laughs> when you're watching the crowd and you're watching that energy just go and whatever pit it is, if people are pogoing or whatever, I mean, that, that becomes a monster in itself. And it like, if you get too uppity when you're playing, especially when you're really young, and you're not that experienced, then it, you'll be coined as more punk rock because it's sloppier because you're like, yeah, fuck yeah, let's fucking, yeah, let's get these people really moving. But the sign of a true musician is the ones that grew through that and saw that and watched it and were able to mature their music. It's all, it's all punk rock. If you're doing what you're doing, it's punk rock. If you're playing good old-fashioned rock and roll, no matter what tempo, you're playing it for the people, you're doing it for the right reasons, It's it's all punk rock. Well, absolutely. You know? It's it's an attitude and it's a lifestyle and it's it's brilliant watching people come from playing just enough to have a set, you know, you have just enough to have a set to where, okay, well, let's work on an album. And then that just becomes like, all right, well, we gotta work on these songs and you're 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 coming, you're showing up. And for me and my standpoint, you're showing up and you're playing and you're being professional about it. And you grow and you grow as a band and you, whatever paths you take, that's the, the most brilliant thing about these clubs and the adventures is because it became people's lifestyles and they were able to grow with it and, and move on. And that's punk rock saying, well, I don't really fit in, but I'm going to find my path and I'm going to do it with this guitar, or these drums or this microphone. That's freaking punk rock to me. There's nothing so like going from 25 minutes to an hour. On yeah. the stage, right? That's a big jump. That's, That's a big jump. Like, Holy, okay, we got an hour now. 
Yeah. All right. <laughs> got it. Usually by that point, you've been writing long enough to like hopefully you guys. Because you guys put an album out. So, yeah. and, there, and the video is on the page. I don't know if you saw the video. Yep. Oh, is it on there? The Yeah. Yeah. Rob put it on there. I mean, he didn't, he needs to make it as um, one of the, the posts instead okay. of, instead of just put in there hidden in the page. Yeah. Somewhere. I think it was in the comments. Oh, okay. oh cool. Yeah. yeah. Gosh, yeah. I haven't seen that in a long time. Yeah. That that's what we're good for, man. Nice. And that and that and that's a good video for Metro because it shows the outside of Metro, you know, walking into that that huge line out there yeah. for the show. Yeah. And then uh the doors opening up, you see me on the stage introducing introducing you guys. Yes. That's and right. uh, and then it shows you guys playing and also shows the crowd. So it's a good Metro video that that they that they made. So I got a decent a kind of cool story. We uh we, you posted that hackfish pictures. Was hackfish pictures and I, I'm like, oh man, I kind of forgot about those guys. And uh, we played with them all. I swear to God, it was Fluff and then us. We opened up, and uh, the guys from all were really cool to us. It didn't really click to me exactly who they were. I mean, I knew they were a big deal, but right, it was a right. side stage show, so you, you like, didn't yeah. know they were this descendants, right? Yeah. I, 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 maybe in the back of my mind, but like it didn't really click. And Carl Alvarez, the bass player, was like really nice to us. He's like, oh, what are your influences? He's like ta- asking us questions, all this and that. He's like, you know what? We're going to be pl- playing here in a couple of weeks. Why don't, we, why don't you guys come back down? I'll, g- I'll get you guys on the guest list. Sure. Okay. So I was thinking it was another all side stage show. Right. In, in actuality, it was Descendants in a band called Handsome, which one of the guys, Helmet, it was just like this massive show. Yeah. And we got in, you know, for free, thanks to just the guy being cool to us. I'm yeah. Like, no way. So yeah. cool. Like, yeah. A lot of cool connections through... Just hanging out like in the club and being nice to people, you never knew. Yeah, Carl, Carl's that. always been a nice guy. Yeah. yeah, absolutely. Well, hey, we appreciate you coming out. Yeah. Uh, I man, this is this is growing. I'm feeling it. Yeah, yeah I'm excited. Thank you for this. being the first guest with us. It's, of course. Thank you for letting me be the first guest. Thank you for playing awesome. for me <laughs> back in the, <laughs> yeah. in the day. It was mean, good seeing you guys play like two years ago. It yeah. was an awesome show. We did a reading yeah. show at the, the Casbah. Yeah, yeah that was really, Sick. really, gotta, really cool. Got to put on another show. Yeah. Well, yeah. it's coming. We're talking about things. Well, all, right. all right. Cheers. All right. Cheers. Thank you, guys. This podcast was recorded at SGM Studio, the home of Sleeping Giant Music. It was also mixed and mastered by our friends at distinctmastering.com. Music provided by Break Anchor. Please like us, follow us, subscribe to us, find us. Thank you.